We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 101 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show for you guys today. I'll recap my day caddying for Gamecocks head football coach, Will Muschamp, talk about some of the conversations we had also. Will we get him on the Spurs Up Show? A very big question I know a lot of people have. I will talk about that and much, much more from a very fun and fantastic day with Will Muschamp. Also, some baseball transfers. Be sure to touch on that. Some recruiting news as well. Your listener questions and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher Adam Hill as we talk about his South Carolina career, his professional baseball career, and much, much more. Before we get into all of that, this is a podcast presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket-buying app by far, the only ticket-buying app I use, the only one I'd recommend to any of our listeners, any South Carolina fans, really in general. They've got anything and everything you need. You know exactly what you're getting before you click the buy button. Be sure to go download SeatGeek. Use the promo code SPURSUP to save $10 off your first purchase. Like I said, they've got everything, NBA, NHL, NFL, uh, college football, obviously, any South Carolina Gamecock sporting events that you need your tickets to, to use those guys at SeatGeek. Also, obviously, it's the summer, it's the offseason. Not going to be a lot of South Carolina Gamecock sporting events, events, but if you're going to any concerts, comedy club events, any festivals, anything and everything you need tickets to, SeatGeek has got it. Again, go download that SeatGeek app and use our promo code. You're going to save money in the process. Again, they have a great ticket rating system where they rate those tickets for you um, based on the type of deal you're getting. So you know what you're paying for. You know if you're getting a really, really good deal. You know if you're paying a little bit too much. They really make it as simple as they can and very, very easy for the consumer. Again, so go download SeatGeek. Use the promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P. And save $10 off your first purchase. All right, let's get into it. What kind of work do you do? All right, appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Very, very excited for today's episode. Obviously, it's funny. Coming into today, you know, all of the major sports for South Carolina have wrapped up besides Gamecocks men's golf. I know those guys are still out there in uh, Spokane, Washington, playing in the Nat- – or excuse me, Fayetteville, playing in the National Championship, Fayetteville, Arkansas. The Gamecocks golf is still going on. But for the most part, South Carolina Gamecocks sports have pretty much wrapped up for – until we get to football season. So not a ton of news, but this is a very, very big episode in the sense that um, if you don't follow me on, on, on my social media, my personal social media, that's at cphilly19 in case you want to shoot me the follow. If you don't follow me, I posted the other day, I was actually, I actually had the opportunity to 
walk the golf course with Gamecocks head coach Will Muschamp. So for those of you that don't know, when I was in college and, you know, pretty recently, I have caddied at a golf course called Sage Valley Golf Club. Um, I've had the opportunity to caddy for a bunch of different professional athletes, very, um, very influential people, famous people that you would know who they are. And I have made a lot of good relationships at Sage Valley. I've gotten some, you know, different uh, opportunities there because of the people I know as far as the caddy master, stuff like that. And it's something I like to do part-time. I love golf. I love walking the golf course. It's pretty good money. And it's just something I like to do. Well, the other day I got the opportunity, if you follow me on social media, I posted the picture uh, of the bag. And then after the round, post the picture of I and Coach Will Muschamp. I got the opportunity to carry Coach Will Muschamp's bag um, and spend the day with him, which was a very, very cool experience. I know a lot of people on social media thought it was very, very cool. And I, I can certainly attest and tell you guys, it was an awesome time. Um, not sure if I made this clear either, but T-Rob was in the other group. So there were two groups of four. Um, T-Rob was in the group uh, in front of us. The entire day, he was awesome. Got to briefly meet him. T-Rob was an awesome guy. Everything you would think. I mean, just full of energy. You know, loved to talk. Um, stuff like that. Actually, Coach Will Muschamp, you know, it's funny. He asked uh, – Muschamp was telling a story to some of his – some of the buddies, some of the guys we were playing with. Who The other guys that we were playing with are mainly like boosters or um, – I think there was one guy that was with Founders Bank or something like that. But just kind of normal, your, your average Joe's type deal. Um, but one of the guys that he was talking to, he basically said that Will Muschamp asked uh, T-Rob's wife if – T-Rob talked in his sleep because he thought that T-Rob loved to talk that much. I mean, he's just full of energy, just how you would expect. I mean, we all seen the videos of him coaching on the field and stuff like that. But, yeah, my day with Will Muschamp, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, I got there, got to the golf course. You get to the golf course, you don't know who you're caddying for. They just kind of tell you. And, you know, I walk up to the range, and I see this Gamecocks bag, and they're like, hey, you got the coach today. And I'm like, what do you mean I got the coach, Jelly? You got the coach. I look at the bag, and it's Will Muschamp. And I was like, all right. So I took a deep breath. I was like Okay, hold it together. Let's hold it together. Will Muschamp's here. I'm, car I'm carrying his bag today. I'm going to get to meet Will Muschamp. I'm going to be able to get the access, because you guys know we don't have credentials, right? We don't have credentials. Um, but to get the access to basically to be able to hang out with him all day was super cool. He, he, it's so funny, too. He came up on the range. I wasn't sure. I didn't think he would recognize me. Or I didn't think he would really know who I was, because, I mean, I, I don't think Will Muschamp's a guy that's sitting there on Twitter. I know – I know he's got a Twitter account. He'll retweet stuff from time to time. But I, I don't see him being a guy that is going to follow enough closely to know who we are, know who the Spurs Up show is or know who I am. So he didn't. He walked up, though. He said, hey, I'm Will Muschamp. In my head, I'm like, I know who you are. Um, it was funny. You know, we were on the range, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to keep things pretty low-key. Probably not even going to bring up Carolina football or the Spurs Up show until we get to the back nine. Let's get in the groove of the round, you know. Obviously, when those guys go to play golf, you know, they're kind of getting – it's like anybody else, right? It's like if we go play golf, we're getting away from work, kind of getting away from anything. The last thing we all want to talk about is work when we're on the golf course, right? So keep the conversation very, you know, very uh, easygoing. You know, keep, keep it very easy for them. Let's not talk about football, at least in the early going. Well, one of my buddies basically blew up my spot on the driving range. I'm standing there next to Will Muschamp. He's hitting some range balls. Um, I'm standing by his bag. One, one of my buddies who's a Gamecocks fan who follows the Spurs Up show who uh, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with, he comes up and says to Will Muschamp, oh, man, this guy, he's a huge Gamecocks fan. He's got a great Gamecocks podcast. You really should check it out. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, get away. You just blew up my entire spot. Because I'll just go ahead and spoil it for you guys. Will Muschamp didn't tell me anything, any earth-shattering news or any rumors. And I, you know, I would be honest. and t I'm not sure that I would tell you what the rumors were, but I would tell you if he told me anything, any insider information. He did not. And, I, you know, not that I was trying to pry it out of him all day, but 
to have the guy blow up my spot like that, I'm like, God, he's really not even going to want to talk to me now because he hears that word media or hears anything like that. And um, he's just not going to want to talk to me. So it's funny. Will Mushy, I want to say the first thing. I say this all due respect. Not a great golfer. He's not a great golfer at all. Um, Probably shot 100 plus. We did not count every shot. Thing I like about Will Muschamp, it's something if, if you've ever been on a golf course or especially if you've caddied, really appreciated he was so willing to drop when he hit one out of bounds or hit one in the woods. I'm just going to drop here. No big deal. He's a football player playing golf. I mean, you have to appreciate that. But uh, it was it was very funny. But uh, he said he plays golf about three times a year, which uh, I made the joke to him that, you know, that's, that's definitely less than our last head coach who thought you should play golf for six months out of the year. He got a good laugh out of that. I thought that was very, very funny. Um, and he did as well. Um, but it was funny. We really did not talk about Carolina football really at all. Um, I, it's funny. I tried to mention it to him. We got to 11. Uh, we're walking to 11 tee box. And I really just made the comment to him like, hey, coach, uh, you got to be feeling pretty good about your defense this year, right? I mean, you got a lot of, you know, a lot of big-time athletes on that side of the ball this year. Um, and his response was, yeah, yeah, they're working hard. So I was like, okay, all right, we don't want to talk South Carolina football. <laughs> and so, But, again, I respect it. I, I'm sure – I can't imagine how – pestered he gets every time he steps out in the public people wanting to ask him questions about the team and you know it was funny the group that we were playing with you can all tell they were all trying to be kind of buddy buddy with him everybody wants to be best friends with the head coach right I mean it's no, no secret I can't blame him but so kept it very very light on South Carolina football um one thing so I tr- really I tried to twist it and try to turn it more when I was talking football with him talk about college football in general just to get him talking ball because Will Muschamp's a guy if you listen to any of his press conferences he knows football. Like, he knows X's and O's. I mean, he, he's a football guy, no doubt. Um, so, we started talking about – actually, I asked him about the Tavian Feaster situation, the, uh, the Clemson running back who's in the transfer market that a lot of people are thinking or hoping comes to South Carolina. I just simply asked him, hey, I, you know, do you have any update on the Tavian Feaster thing? You know, if it's top secret information, that's fine. I was just kind of curious. And he said, no, no, no update. You know, he's got to graduate in May – or he's got to graduate first, stuff like that. So, no update. Um, and then we sort of got on the topic of just transfers and college football, which this may have already been in the news. This may have been asked to him before. I, I'm not 100% sure if it was. I hadn't seen it. But Will Muschamp made it very, very clear to me that he is against transfers and college football. And what I mean by that is the grad transfer stuff. Um, the grad, I want to make that clear, not just not transfers and college football, but the grad transfer type stuff where this has been obviously a hot button issue. It's been people talk about the free agency of college football, stuff like that. Um, he basically made it clear that you take a look at the guys that have tr- left and transferred. Um, he said there's, I believe it's 50% of the guys don't even, they don't even have a home, um, don't have another school to play at. And o- less than 30% play at another Power 5 school. Um, so he thinks it's actually harming college football, the grad transfer market. So just a very, very interesting take. I thought it was very interesting for a guy that's literally – you know, has brought in grad transfers before. I mean, this is a dude that's – South Carolina's benefited from grad transfers, and South Carolina's had grad transfers leave. I mean, you think of Tyson Williams is the one that just jumps out to me immediately, a guy that just left. So, very, very strong thoughts from him, though. He, he, he literally used the words, it is, it's going to ruin college football, is what he told me. So, I thought that was very interesting. I was also able to talk to him about, you know, he's a Georgia alum, obviously played at Georgia, and I was just really curious. I'd I asked him, I said, hey, coach, you know, I know you said that whoever signs your checks, that's who you're loyal to, stuff like that. But I was like, you know, is it ever weird being on the sideline coaching somewhere and you're facing Georgia? Like when you're at Florida and you're facing Georgia, like is that weird for you being an alum? Is it kind of a weird thing, you know, for you to be an alum and face them? He was like, nah. He's like, it doesn't even matter. He's like, and I've been at, I've been at LSU, Florida, South Carolina, 
you know, I'm leaving out a ton of schools. Those are the main ones, I think. Auburn, you know, he's like, I've been in a ton of schools. You know, it, it doesn't even matter. It's not even a big deal. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was very interesting because I know for us, you know, you think of South Carolina fans, you think, you know, I think of me, like even if Clemson or Georgia or anybody else was to offer me, say, hey, we've got a full-time, you know, media department, uh, whatever, whatever type of position, come do what you do for South Carolina, but do it for us and we'll pay you. Like, I don't think I could do it. I just don't think I could do it. It just would not be feasible. I couldn't emotionally invest myself into that program and you know because my roots are so deeply involved with South Carolina obviously it's different when you're coaching football and you're getting paid millions of dollars remind you but um yeah I thought that was really interesting another thing we talked about was uh or I actually overheard him talking about and I thought was very interesting because this is the way college football is going and really college athletics is going is South Carolina stadiums so Obviously, South Carolina has had an issue filling up williams Bryce over the past couple of years. Now, it's not the point where, listen, half the stadium's empty, nothing crazy. But we all have seen the East Upper Stands, right, where it's very, very patchy. You know, South Carolina's getting – and the thing about the williams Bryce Stadium, too, is South Carolina is having good crowds, I think, in my opinion. I mean, you're talking high 70,000s, which – I mean, the, the stadium only seats 80,250. But if you only have 75,000 people in the stadium – and that it looks so bad, like on TV and stuff, and the East Upper just looks bad. It just really does look – it's right there in the sun, too. So, it's not a very desirable place to sit. I thought Will Muschamp, he was very – it was very interesting to me. He was talking to a guy in the group, basically just talking about um, – I'm not sure if it was conversations he had, had with Ray Tanner, or maybe he was just talking about this in general. But, obviously, he's friends with Bruce Pearl, who's the head basketball coach over at Auburn from his time over at Auburn. He was just talking about, you know, how smart Auburn was to build a 9,000-seat arena. And, you know, you can, uh, you're can you going to sell out every game. And then when the team is really, really good, you can charge whatever you want for those tickets. Obviously, South Carolina basketball has certainly struggled in this department as far as filling Colonial Life Arena because it's an 18,000-seat venue. And even when, even when 9,000 show up, like what show up to Auburn, it looks really bad on TV because you got people sitting in the upper deck, the lower deck. Like, it, it looks bad. And I think they're doing – they're taking measures to fix that as far as, like, maybe putting everybody in the lower bowl, stuff like that. But he was talking about for Williams-Brice. He said, listen – and I guess this, is, this was recapping a conversation that he had with Ray Tanner, but he was just saying, you know, listen, Ray, I don't care if we drop the – or drop the, uh, the total seats in the stadium to 65,000. Let's just fill it. Let's just fill the stadium, which, you know – was, you know, I think fans get kind of upset when you hear about reducing number of seats. I, I just think they do. I think they do. I think they get kind of upset when you hear about that. But I will say, unless there's only three or four teams in the entire country that have not had attendance drop-offs at least by 1%. And those are the teams that are winning every single game. Listen, when South Carolina was winning every single – when South Carolina was on its run from 2010 to 2013 – there wasn't a single game that wasn't sold out. Every game was sold out. I mean, it's easy to sell out when you're winning 11 games a year. Um, but I just thought that was very interesting because, you know, it's obviously you – know, we, we hear about these things, but we don't know what side of the uh, – what, what side of things these guys stand on, right, what their opinions are on it. And to hear Will Muschamp kind of say, sounds like he would be for it. He would be for South Carolina reducing their number of seats just to and, – and I think not just reducing their number of seats, but basically what it would be doing is increasing luxury suites, luxury boxes. You've already seen South Carolina try to do some stuff like that with the zone, which is or I think it's the 2001 club or something like that. Basically the new luxury seating that South Carolina is adding into Williams-Brice Stadium. So um, I think we're kind of starting to see that, but just to hear Will Muschamp say it was 
I, th- I thought it was pretty intriguing. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, another good laugh we had. Um, I basically asked Will Muschamp about, you know, obviously kind of what their schedule was upcoming. You know, he said they had a huge recruiting weekend, which will be next weekend. All right, was it this weekend? Um, anyways, huge recruiting weekend. I, I feel like I'm going to get ripped for not knowing that, but I just don't have the dates pulled up in front of me. But huge recruiting weekend. Um, they got camps going out through all, uh, throughout the entire summer. Um, and then obviously SEC media days, right? Obviously SEC media days is a big, if you're a South, if you're, if you're a college football fan, SEC media days is a very, very big deal. You know, we hang on every single word these guys say, and, you know, we really look forward to, uh, we, we look forward to, it, it kind of kicks off football, if you will, right? Because fall practice starts in like a week or two after that. And, you know, I just kind of asked Will Mustang, I was like, Hey, how, how do you feel about SEC media days? Like are you a guy that looks forward to it. Is it just kind of another thing for you? And, he, he, he simply looked at me kind of with a wry smile and just said, it's just part of the job, man. <laughs> just part of the job. And, and, you know, so this gets me kind of the conversation. People have asked me, what well, did you tell him about the Spurs Up show? Did you tell him about the Spurs Up show? Did he already know about the Spurs Up show? So we get on 15. And basically he's asking for people that don't know this um, about my personal life. I'm planning on moving to Columbia in August. Big news, big news. I, I'll, I'll make an official announcement once I get the place and get down there. But that's big news for the Spurs Up show. Very, very big news for me personally, for the business I'm trying to build, for the Spurs Up show, for its growth, for the potential, for the things that can happen, for content, for everything. I don't think I have to explain why that's a big deal. Well, anyways, I'm talking to Will Muschamp, and he simply just asked me, you know, we're on number 15, and he asked me, yeah, you said you are moving to Columbia. Like, why are you going to be moving down to Columbia? And I said, well, I, it's a fancy you asked that. <laughs> so we got in the conversation of, you know, I told him I have a Gamecocks blog slash media outlet um, called the Spurs Up Show. You know, I told him about all the guests we had on, let him know we had Mark Kingston on even, um, all the former players, stuff like that. Told him, you know, we do a podcast, articles, audio, you know, audio, video, YouTube. We're going to be doing Twitch as well. I mean, all, all types of content. Um, but we that, that's what we are. So I kind of just explained to him what the Spurs Up Show was. I kind of made the joke with him. I was like, yeah, you know, I had Mark Kingston on, but, you know, it's funny. They make it kind of impossible to get you guys on to do anything. He got a good laugh out of that. Um, and then I basically told him, I was like, yeah, you know, just, I, uh, I was like, you know, I, I use the term, you know, I've called the Spurs Up show a Gamecocks media outlet. I've almost resorted to using the word blog more though, because I told Will Muschamp this, that I was like, you know, I hate calling the Spurs Up show media because I feel like that puts us, that puts me in a box, which I don't want to be in a box. I think we do so much, so, so much more than some traditional media outlet. I, I think if you follow us, you know that for a fact. Um, and I, but I told Will Muschamp, I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I hate putting the the label media on us because listen, I hear some of the questions the media guys ask you coach and I'll be honest, it makes me cringe. And he got a good laugh out of that. I mean, a good hearty laugh out of that. So that I thought was very, very awesome. But will we get, get, will we get a Muschamp on the Spurs up show? It's, it is to be seen. Also, there was something where, so basically you guys know, we post these Periscope videos. I did the Periscope, the Daily Crow. Uh, the Periscope videos. And on Periscope, if you've ever been on there, it actually shows you who views your videos, right? Which is kind of interesting. You can actually see like who's watched the video, right? So after the round is over, obviously I get the picture of Will Muschamp. He was super cool about it, you know? And I want to say Coach Muschamp was awesome. He was a cool, I mean, he was, he reminded me of like your, like a, like a, just a cool dad. Like that's, that's what he came off as. Just like, like a really, really cool father figure type guy like a cool just a cool ass dad like that's the the only way I can think to describe him just a super cool guy he was a bro um so I get the picture with coach though the round's over shake his hand you know hey coach hope to see you down the road you know uh 
you know, whatever. And we had a great day. Um, after the round, T-Rob actually follows me on Twitter, which was very cool um, because T-Rob's the man. And I go on and I get a notification on Periscope. You know, somebody's watched the, the video, whatever. It's Will Muschamp. So if nothing, and he didn't, he didn't follow us, didn't follow me, didn't follow the Spurs Up show. But if nothing else, nothing else happened from that day, Will Muschamp, well, number one, knows who I am. Number two, knows who the Spurs Up show is. And honestly, I can't ask for more than what I got from that day in that regard. So at least I was able to get in Coach Muschamp's ear. I'm sure I'll have to go bend over backwards and go through ten different people to get Will Muschamp on this show for two and a half minutes. But at least Coach knows who I am. That is the good news. So it, it was a fantastic day, though. In all seriousness, I mean, Coach was an awesome guy. I mean, I, I listen, I, we've all got our opinions and everything. And when the season gets here, we're all going to have our opinions on the on-field success and what they should be doing, should not be doing. That's our job as fans. We're here to critique and we're here to give our thoughts, opinions. I know that's what I do. I give my thoughts and opinions no matter what. But just as far as a dude, as far as a good dude, you can see why Will Muschamp is such a good recruiter. And – why he has such great success in recruiting. Because he's a very relatable guy. Like, he was a cool guy. He's a guy that I, I would like to hang around again. So, awesome day, though. Oh, I had to tell you guys about that. Just an awesome day. I mean, it was just – it was funny. I really did want to talk some Carolina football with him. I, like, just a little bit. I, I, I didn't know what to expect, though, whether he was going to be very open to it or not. I will say the only thing – I had very limited conversation with him, actually, because he was riding in the cart most of the day. So, really, the only conversation – the only opportunity I had to have conversation with him was – on the putting green. I mean, when I was just standing next to him, I was, you know, I really barely talked to him the whole front nine. I mean, I, every now and then, you know, I was giving him yardages, obviously telling him about the course and um, stuff like that. But I mean, not, not any type of real small talk. So we got to the back nine. I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta shoot my shot here. I mean, I gotta shoot my shot as the head coach. It's Will Muschamp. I gotta shoot my shot. So um, it was very, very cool. I, just awesome. I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I'm not someone, listen, I'm not someone that gets starstruck at all. And I wasn't starstruck. But it was very neat. It was a very, very cool experience, very neat experience. And, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I just – I hope, I, you know, I hope for my personal sake, I hope for the sake of the Spurs Up show, I hope for the sake of the people that listen to this show, that are fans of this show, that enjoy the content of this show, that I get the opportunity to sit down with Will Muschamp or just meet up with him or just chat with him for five minutes again. Really, really cool. Um, all right, cool. So let's move into some other news and notes. We do have some news with baseball. Um, Two guys are transferring out of the Gamecocks baseball program, Quentin Perez and Jacob English, both infielders. Obviously, fans know of both. Um, Quentin Perez played a lot for South Carolina. Um, I believe he hit like 169 on the year for the Gamecocks. Jacob English, very limited time, mainly uses a pinch runner. But overall, the impact that it has on the program, I don't think much. I think we're going to see some roster turn turnover this offseason. Not even a doubt in my mind. Um, you know, the Quentin Perez one definitely surprised me a little bit more than the Jacob English one. Listen, I mean, Jacob English, I guess, is the only reason it may be surprising is because he's the brother of Tanner English, who was an absolute stud at South Carolina. But obviously, Jacob, you know, Jacob English, if he was as good as Tanner, he'd probably be in the lineup. I mean, let's just face it. But, you know, overall, the Jacob English one wasn't too, too surprising. But Quentin Perez, I mean, this is a guy that played a lot. I mean, he played a lot for South Carolina. And I, I'm not sure, you know, I think it may have been a mutual decision because I, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't think Quentin Perez is – I don't think it's it's – it's insulting or even making a bold statement to say that Quentin Perez is not an everyday SEC caliber guy. Like, I just don't think that's, that's who he is. He'll probably flourish much more at a, at a smaller school. You never know. He could have been homesick as well. He's from California. 
Um, but overall, I think we're going to see more roster turnover. Like, I just think that South Carolina, I think, you know, because next year we talked about it's a big year, and obviously coming off the season you just had, they're going to try to reshape this roster. Obviously, there's going to be guys coming back from this year's team that are going to be better, and they're going to make an impact. But there will – I guarantee you these are not the last two guys we've seen that are going to transfer, maybe get cut, would not be shot at all. So, overall, does it have some huge impact? I mean, listen, I liked Quentin Perez just because I liked how scrappy he was. Um, I thought he played some really good innings for South Carolina. But, overall, I don't see these as major losses. I mean, I don't think these are guys that were really going to ever be – you know, staples of your team, if that makes sense. So, but again, I don't think these are going to be the last two guys we see leave. I think you're going to see more roster turnover as we go throughout the offseason. Um, let's move to some recruiting. Tonka Hemingway, four-star defensive tackle to Conway, names his top five. Gamecocks, obviously, in the top five. It's South Carolina, North Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest, and Vanderbilt. Uh, Tonka Hemingway has been offered by teams such as South Carolina, Alabama, Clemson, Duke, Georgia State, Liberty, Louisville, Maryland, North Carolina, Rutgers, Vandy, Wake Forest, West Virginia. Those are his offers. Um, and from everything that I've seen, it looks like South Carolina is in a pretty good position to land this kid. I mean, listen, when you just take a look at the top five, you're competing with North Carolina, Duke, Wake Forest, and Vandy. I think fans would be pretty much up in arms if we didn't land this guy. But overall, yeah, I mean, Tonka Hemingway, you look at his uh, – his measurable 6'3", 285, again, class of 2020 out of Conway, um, would be obviously another big pickup for South Carolina. As South Carolina continues to build up the defense. Um, you know, you expect a guy like Javon Kinlaw to leave after the 2019 season. Kier Thomas will be gone. DJ Wanham will be gone. So, continuing to build on the front seven, I think, is going to be key for South Carolina. And a guy like, you know, a guy like Tonka Hemingway is going to be someone you need to land, no doubt. No doubt in my mind, especially, like I said, when you have – the uh, the advantage over these other teams that you're competing with because again I just the other teams that the other teams that are in the top five I think South Carolina certainly I think everyone would certainly say they have the advantage over. Um, so, all right, let's get into some listener questions. I do apologize. I put up the link for the listener questions really late, um, so there's literally only two questions or one really one question. Um, so I apologize again. The holiday weekend, I was honestly debating on even dropping this show. Um, maybe just, you know, I was debating, maybe just wait till Thursday, but you know what? I'm at home. I have the time and I'm committed to, I don't give a damn if there's nothing going on in the off season. I'm going to come to you guys every single time we're supposed to come to you Monday, Thursday, and we're going to do this damn thing. So, cause I love to do it. I know you guys love to listen and I appreciate the listeners of this show tuning in every single week. So, all right, like I said, there's literally one question. Um, and I don't even know what it means. That Bolton boy asked if Clemson loses, is it by 20? I don't even know what that means. I'm just, you know, just going to make the assumption you're talking about Clemson losing to South Carolina. Um, and if they do lose, I hope it is by 20. I hope they do lose to South Carolina by 20. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, no other listener questions, really. Um, and like I said, a pretty pretty slow content. I mean, listen, we're, we're getting into the meat of the offseason. I'm going to have some, some fun offseason content for you guys as far as, you know, I don't want to call it Mount Rushmore season. I think that's trademarked by the PMT boys. But overall, just kind of ranking season. Um, I think it's fun to go back and rank certain stuff in South Carolina history. I know a lot of fans. And I think that's something we can have, like, a lot of fan participation in that, too. That's probably something we'll do. Also, South Carolina football preview content starts literally this week. 
Um, doing our summer opponent previews starting this week. Also after that, going to be doing the position unit previews, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with from the, literally the past two years I've done those. Um, also got some very, very exciting other stuff lined up. If you're big into Twitch, if you're big into video game streaming, going to be doing some of that as well. I'm going to drop that announcement in the next week or two, but I'm very, very excited. And obviously we're doing our countdown to kick off, which is one of my favorite things to do. It's, I mean, I literally wake up every day excited to post the video on social media because it's like a, it's a, it's a daily reminder that we're one day closer to kickoff. So um, very excited. All right. So I got a really, really fun interview with former Gamecocks, Ryan and pitcher, Adam Hill. Um, was fantastic for the Gamecocks right now. He's in the Milwaukee Brewers organization. If you guys remember, uh, Braden Webb, we had him on the show, I think a month or two ago. He's actually roommates with uh, Braden Webb right now. Actually really cool stuff. And Adam, a great dude, obviously a fantastic pitcher. And I'm very excited to see what happens to him before we get in that interview. It is an interview brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, again, the best ticket buying app by far. It's the only one I use. They've got tickets to literally anything and everything. Again, not a ton of sports going on this summer. If you do want to go to the NBA playoffs, maybe the Stanley Cup. But if, if there's no other sports to go to, if you want to go to an MLB game, obviously we've got Major League Baseball all summer. But concerts, comedy club events, festivals, there's tons of stuff going on over the summer like that. Be sure to get your tickets to it on SeatGeek. Like I said, they've got tickets to literally anything and everything you can think of. Um, be sure when you download the SeatGeek app, use the promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P. Save $10 off your first purchase. If you don't want to use it now, just download the app anyways. Put that promo code into place that when you go and buy your South Carolina Gamecocks football tickets, that promo code's already sitting there, and you save yourself some money. Again, that promo code is SPURSUP, S-P-U-R-S-U-P. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher, Adam Hill. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2016 to 2018. During that time, he amassed a 17-11 overall record, a 3.58 ERA, and 226 and a third innings picks for the Gamecocks. He was also taken the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft by the New York Mets and is now a member of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in the Milwaukee Brewers organization. I'm pleased to welcome the show former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher Adam Hill. Adam, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So let's kind of, Adam, go back to the beginning for you because obviously you were a guy that uh, you were taken actually out of high school in the 2015 MLB draft by the uh, the San Diego Padres in the 39th round. So obviously, you know, you're a guy, you're a very, high, very highly regarded prospect, third best high school prospect in the state of South Carolina by Diamond Prospects. Um, and you probably could have went anywhere really out of T.L. Hanna High School. Just talk about kind of your recruiting process and what eventually led you to South Carolina to become a Gamecock. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a Gamecock. That was always my goal. Um, and, you know, once I started picking up some interest from some schools, you know, I mean, a lot of different schools, you know, had some great things to offer. But, I mean, you know, my heart was just set on South Carolina. And then, you know, when I when I started talking with the coaching staff and, and all that, I just knew it was a place for me. So it was really a no-brainer. So you grew up a South Carolina fan, and I, I'm, I'm sure you probably watched those teams from 20, 2010 to 2012 do what they did in, uh, in Omaha, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, absolutely. I followed, followed them all the way through. <laughs> no doubt. So let's talk 2016, man. I mean, Adam, you get on campus, and, you know, for a lot of people, there's a little bit of a transition period, right, when you go from high school baseball to college. It just changes. The speed of the game, the – you know, everybody's the best player from their high school team when you get to college, especially when you get into SEC baseball – wasn't that hard of a transition for you? I mean, you literally went 7-0, 3.53 ERA, um, had 14 starts that year. I mean, had a fantastic year, over 66 innings pitched, 
through really well. I mean, what would you attribute to such a smooth transition for you from high school to college? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't think it it wasn't as easy in the fall because, you know, like you said, the game's a lot faster. So I had to I had to get acclimated to it. But I mean, once I did, you know, with the help of Coach Myers, who was the pitching coach at the time, and and you know, just the help from all the other coaches and my teammates, you know, I was able to, you know, be, uh, you know, I don't really know, just attack hitters, you know, just fearlessly attack hitters and go at everybody. And I mean, that that allowed me to be pretty successful. No doubt. And so what was your relationship like? Obviously, Jerry Myers a step down. I believe it was, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was into 2017 or after the 2017 season or maybe fall of uh, fall of 17. He stepped down as pitching coach, obviously, due to health right. reasons. And still involved with the Gamecocks Athletics Organization. But uh, just talk about kind of what your relationship was like with Jerry Myers because obviously he did great things for the Gamecocks. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, you know, he he helped me tremendously, just not only as a pitcher but as a person. I mean, you know, he when it came to baseball, you know, he just really, really knew himself. I mean, he, he could break down any pitcher and you know see what they were doing wrong, know what they needed to correct, and you know, he just kind of helped me refine my mechanics and help me be more consistent in the zone, and you know, help me from the the mental aspect as well. So I mean, overall, you know, it was I really really enjoyed getting to to play for him for two years. Was there a moment you would say your freshman year where it kind of clicked for you that you you knew and like mentally you knew like okay I, I belong on this stage I think that's one of the one of the biggest things young guys face is just like accepting and kind of knowing they belong if you will they always say there's kind of that bubble number above your head and once you hit that number you've become a master at your craft or you you hit that confidence level or whatever I mean was there was there ever a moment where you – maybe it was an outing or maybe a bullpen where you're like, okay, I, I've got the hang of this. Like, I know I can have big success. Or was it just as soon as you stepped on campus, it, it automatically clicked for you? Um, Yeah, I think it was probably, you know, that first outing I had my freshman year, my first starting at Appalachian State. Uh, you know, it, you know, I just went out there. I think it was like six innings, like something like 10 or 11 strikeouts, something like that. And I was just kind of like, whoa, you know, I mean – uh, you know, it was, it was a huge stage, but I was like, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't, can't really put it into words. It was just kind of like, wow, like I'm, I'm really pitching for the Gamecocks out here. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, th- I guess it was that moment where I was really like, okay, like, I, you know, I could do this. So, for sure. So that that first year for you, Adam, obviously 2016, you guys did very well, made it all to the, all the way to the Super Regional round. I was going to probably save this question for later in the interview, but I'll go ahead and ask anyways. Obviously. Your roommate, obviously, Braden Webb, I'm sure he's back there in the background talking crap about me or putting something in your ear, but uh, <laughs> uh, great dude. But just kind of talk about you're able to play with him, obviously, your freshman season and now being in pro ball, rooming with him. I mean, how cool is it to uh, to not only play with him at South Carolina, but then be able to room with him down the road in, uh, in professional baseball? Yeah, it, you know, it's awesome, especially in professional baseball, getting to you know see a familiar face in Braden. Um, you know, he's obviously a guy that's had a lot of success, not only like obviously in college, but also in professional baseball. So just, just learning from him and, uh, you know, the stuff, you know, he can help me with and, you know, just, just getting to, you know, just getting to have him around and stuff like, like we did in spring training. I mean, it, it was, it was just really awesome, you know, having, having a guy that I'm familiar with and, and been around with and, uh, and, and friends and friends with. It's, just, it was just really, really nice to have that. No doubt. So speaking again to the success of that 2016 season, obviously you guys make it to the super regional round against uh, Oklahoma State. Obviously, unfortunately, you know, came up short, but just kind of talk about again as a true freshman getting to 
you know, that stage as far as a guy, again, that came up watching South Carolina baseball have all the success they did in the regional, super regionals, Omaha. I mean, how, what did it feel like? How cool was it to get a taste of that your first year on campus? Yeah, you know, just it was just kind of a surreal moment, honestly. I mean, you know, the year before I was playing high school baseball, and then the next year I'm, you know, I'm in the Super Regionals with South Carolina. So, you know, it, it was pretty crazy for sure. Um, yeah, you know, that, that was a that was a tough Super Regional. We, you know, we gave it everything we had. But, I mean, definitely getting in, just being in that environment in Founders Park in a Super Regional was, was un- an unbelievable experience. No doubt. So, Adam, let's move ahead to 2017. Obviously, you, you continued, I think, to do what a lot of Gamecock fans expected. I mean, it's funny. 2017 was your best ERA year of your career and also your worst win-loss record. I mean, I think that's like the definition of baseball right there. You had a 3.04 ERA, 3-6 yeah. and six win-loss record. Obviously, you guys had a really rough year, and then Chad Holbrook was, uh, you know, kind of mutually parted ways, if you will, which I'm going to get to in just a second. But, I mean – just kind of talk about what you remember from that 2017 year, because obviously as a pitcher, you've got to go out there and just do, you know, put your head down, do your job and not worry about what the offense is doing. But I mean, did it ever at some point just get frustrating with the lack of run support you were getting? And I mean, I can imagine you, the competitor that you are and the entire team really being frustrated that season. But I mean, what do you remember and take away from that 2017 season? Yeah, you know, it it was frustrating. Uh, but the thing is about that season, you know, we were in almost every single game and we just had some tough races that, that didn't go our way. But I mean, you know, as far as being frustrated with, you know, there was no frustration on anyone's performance. I mean, everybody came to the park ready to go. Everybody worked hard. So, I mean, you know, no frustration as far as that goes. But I mean, as far as, you know, losing close games and stuff, we, we lost our fair share of those. So, I mean, that, that, that got frustrating at times, but I mean, you know, we, we never wavered. We kept we kept battling all the way through that year. So, uh, yeah. Would you say, do you think, you know, just personally for you, would you say you made a big jump from that freshman to sophomore year as far as just comfort on the mound stuff? I mean, probably – I'm sure you put on a lot of size probably just from the weightlifting program. It was was there a big jump, jump for you from freshman to sophomore year within your game? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, you know, I was definitely stronger. Um you know, I, I just kind of felt, like you said, from a stuff standpoint, too, I just kind of felt like my stuff was, was a little sharper that year. And I, I just kind of, you know, going from your freshman, sophomore year, you need to, to make a little jump. And I kind of felt like I had that. I kind of, you know, felt like when I threw the ball, I had a little bit more on it and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I think definitely the, you know, the, the weightlifting program and everything I did in the off season definitely helped me that year. No doubt. So, let's kind of go back before the 20 20- – say before the 2017 season when things kind of just unraveled, if you will, for Chad Holbrook. Obviously, we had, like I said, Braden on the show about a month or two ago, and, you know, he had some very strong opinions on his support of Chad Holbrook, but I'm curious to get your opinion as well on just, you know, what was your experience like with Chad Holbrook? I can imagine you had a similar one as he did, but what was that like playing under Chad Holbrook? Yeah, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time playing under Coach Holbrook. I mean, he he's an awesome guy, an awesome coach, and, uh, you know, I mean – Unfortunately, some things just just didn't work out the way we wanted them to. But I mean, you know, I, that, that doesn't change the fact that I, you know, I I enjoyed my time playing under under him. And uh, you know, he's he's just a guy you, you really want to go to battle for. So uh, you know, I really really enjoyed it. For sure, I was gonna say, Adam. I think you're actually the first guy that I've had on this show that went through the the transition, if you will, from Holbrook to Kingston. So I'll ask you, you know, when. Because I, I remember literally when the Holbrook announcement came, I think it was 
it felt kind of like a news dump because it was like middle of the summer. It was like eight o'clock at night. And all of a sudden you get on Twitter and it's like, bam, Chad Holbrook is leaving South Carolina. I mean, was it, what was the reaction from amongst you, the players? I mean, were you shocked? Did you see it coming? I mean, what was that like? I mean, yeah, we we were kind of shocked, you know, we were a little caught off guard, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the way things went. I mean, you know, it was, like you said, it was just kind of a shock to everybody it happened pretty fast, but you know, I mean, it is, it is what it is. I mean, at that point we were just kind of waiting to, to see what was the next step was going to be. No doubt. And the next step obviously was Mark Kingston. I want to ask you, obviously Skylar Mead comes in as well. I'm sure a guy that you got very close with the pitching coach. Um, just simply put, kind of what's your take on Mark Kingston? Obviously, you got to play for him, play under him for a year. Um, did you guys hit it off immediately? I mean, what was that like as far as Mark Kingston coming in the building? Yeah, he's he's awesome. Coach Kingston's awesome. Um, you know, he came in with a lot of energy, uh, upbeat attitude, and, uh, you know, just really kind of put a spark underneath all of us. And, you know, same thing with Coach Mead. I mean, you know, the, those guys are awesome. And, you know, really got us excited to go out there and play every day. And, you know, he kept a positive attitude all the way through. And it, it was definitely really, really fun to play underneath him. No doubt. So a big transition for you, Adam, you know, going from 2017 to 2018 personally was that you went from being the Sunday guy to being the Friday guy. And that was, you know, I, I, I tell people just that role in general, it, it's different. I mean, I think you'd probably agree it's different going from being the third starter to that guy on Friday night. There's, you know, when you're, that's kind of the, you know, the primetime game, you're facing another MLB, MLB type guy on the other side. What was the transition like for you? If, if any, maybe I'm wrong. Was there, was there any type of mental transition for you? And how do you think you handled that in 2018 kind of going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a difference. I mean, on a, on a mental side of things, I don't think there's really a difference for me just because, you know, you, gotta, you want to go out there and go as deep as you can into the game uh, in every outing. But uh, definitely on Friday nights, you know, you need to go deep into the game. Uh, you need to give a good quality start, you know, to set, all, set the, uh, the weekend off on a good – a good note. Um, and, you know, on a, on a Sunday, any given Sunday, you could, you know, throw throw maybe two innings in a start and try to piece together a win on a Sunday using the bullpen. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just a different animal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I struggled here and there, but I also had some good starts in there. You know, it, it's, it's definitely a different animal thrown on Friday nights. But, uh, you know, I just tried to approach it like I would any other outing. Uh, you know, every Friday night, just go out there and get ready to compete, throw strikes, and do whatever I can to help the team win. Yeah, and, and I would agree with you. Did you did pretty well? You made 16 starts, seven and five overall record, 4.12 ERA, but you had a team best 101 strikeouts and 83 innings pitch. You led the SEC uh, with a 192 opponents batting average. You led the conference, and you're 18th in the country in hits per per nine innings with 5.96. Um, I mean, you could just keep going on and on. 47 strikeouts and 46 innings pitch in SEC games. And then, obviously, you had the two games where you had 14 strikeouts back-to-back, which I want to get to in just a second. But, I mean, what would you say clicked for you? Because I think anybody that had watched your first two years of your career and then watched that junior season in 2018, you could just see, I mean, the velocity on the fastball, the stuff was extremely sharp. You know, you, you'd obviously evolved as a pitcher. You knew how to pitch. And when you have that type of stuff and you know how to pitch – it's going to make a guy like you really, really hard to hit. I mean, what do you think clicked for you in that junior year? Yeah, you know, like you said uh, before, you know, making a jump from from freshman to sophomore year, I think, I, you know, I was able to make another jump from my sophomore to my junior year. 
Um, and like I said, everything just felt sharper. Everything coming out of my head felt harder. And, you know, and I had the experience of throwing in the SEC, luckily from my freshman and sophomore year. So like you said, I was, I knew how to attack the hitters and, but just attack them with better stuff, I guess. And, uh, I don't know, you know, I just felt really, really confident going out there every, every outing. Um, I felt good and, you know, I was able to have a little bit of success. Did you feel like in 2018 you were just going to strike everybody out? Because it, it, it honestly, it's at one point felt like that to me. It, it just, I'm like, this guy is <laughs> just going to strike out everybody. It made me think of the, uh, the Bull Durham line, like let them put it in play. Strikeouts are fa- fastest or whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, what, what was were you? I mean, you know, there there are strikeout pitchers. There are guys that pitch to contact. I mean, what was your kind of mindset? Where did you go? Were you up there thinking I'm, I just want to strike everybody out? Were you pitching to contact? I mean, did the strikeouts just kind of just happen to come about what was the the mindset there for you I mean it just varied I mean you know throwing on Friday nights like I said you want to go deep into the game so I mean any early contact you're going to welcome it but I mean if I got into those 0-2-1-2-2-2 counts you know I, I was trying to throw a strikeout pitch trying to strike the guy out so I mean I guess it just really just varied from count to count but I mean if I got in that count I was definitely trying to, to come after somebody and, and get a strikeout for sure for sure. So let's talk about that night against Charleston Southern, February 23rd, 2018. You set a Founders Park record with 14 strikeouts. And I think people forget this as well. You didn't allow a hit or walk in seven innings. You, you, th- you threw a perfect seven innings, had 14 Ks, 7 nothing win. Obviously, you guys get the W. But let me ask you this. That night specifically, I mean, did you know was – it was it something where you knew in the bullpen, you, you know, like I'm going to have a good night, you had all your stuff? And then my second question is – how badly did you were you trying to beg Mark Kingston, Skylar Me to let you stay in that game and go the full nine? <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, I, I had a tough outing my first outing of the year and uh, you know, I just told myself that uh I was gonna bounce back in a big way and just go out there confident and just trust that, you know, all the hard work I, I had put in was gonna pay off. And so, you know, I went out there super confident and just was able to throw the ball well that day. And and yeah, I mean you know, I think it was a situation being until early in the year where pitch count was kind of an issue, so I wasn't going to be able to. But, you know, I definitely would have liked to go out there for two more innings and finish that thing off. But, but it is what it is, you know, early in the season. Pitch count, you gotta, you got to be careful. So, so I wasn't able to, but I sure, I sure would have loved to, no doubt. No doubt. And so, you know, getting 14 strikeouts in a game is, is one thing, right? Getting 14 strikeouts against your arch rival on Friday nights is a completely other. But you did that the, literally the next week. Uh, 14 strikeouts again at Founders Park. Um, you also tied a program best with seven straight strikeouts. You won the Tom Price Award for the Clemson Series, giving the most valuable player of the series. I mean, I'll kind of ask you again, similar question. I mean, again, getting 14 Ks against Charleston Southern is one thing, obviously, but the emotions, everything. I remember specifically in that Clemson game, one strikeout you have where, I mean, you're literally like about to sprint off the field. You're so jacked up. I mean, just kind of talk about that night. Obviously, Playing Clemson, anytime South Carolina and Clemson play on the baseball field, it's the best rivalry in college baseball. But, I mean, that night specifically, how cool was it, again, to dominate the way you did against those guys? Yeah, you know, that, that's probably one of the coolest moments of my life, that game. Uh, you know, I just, you know, being a Gamecock fan my whole life, you know, dream about playing in a, in a series against Clemson. And uh, to just get the opportunity to go out there at home and pitch on a Friday night in that environment, you know, I was just obviously really jacked up and, and to be able to throw the way I did and uh, put us in a position to win the game, it, you know, it's just, it's one of the coolest experiences of my life. You know, I, that, that's one of the most fun games I've ever been a part of. 
No doubt. So I'll ask you switching gears a little bit on the Carolina Clemson baseball series, uh, the rivalry in general. Obviously, South Carolina able to get Clemson this year, two of three. I was able to go to all three games. Um, but when you were there, obviously, you guys were unable to beat those guys. I, I mean, did the, did frustration for the rivalry series in general ever set in? I, mean, I know players probably take it differently than fans do, but just in the locker room, was that something ever where – you guys felt the pressure against Clemson to get that series win. I mean, what, what do you just – I'll ask you this. What do you remember specifically, I guess, from playing Clemson while you were at Carolina? Yeah, just, uh, you know, a lot of emotion in every game. You know, they were definitely uh, high-intensity games. And, I mean, you know, in, in my time there, you know, we, we always would split those first two games and it always come down to the Sunday game. And, uh, you know, it's just every, – every time it was just a really hard-fought, close game all the way down to the end and just ball didn't roll our way. You know, that's just, that's just, that's just baseball. just the way it goes sometimes. So, I mean, you know, there was, there was no added pressure. I mean, like I said, there was a lot of emotion, but you know, we were just out there playing baseball and trying to win the game, but there was, there was no added pressure. I don't think. So as a Gamecock fan, I think you could probably relate to this. Well, how, how happy were you knowing that after 2018 that South Carolina wouldn't have to face Seth Beer anymore? <laughs> yeah, he he's a good hitter. He he did some damage to us. I mean, he you know he he definitely has put some good swings on some baseballs against us. But uh, but yeah, you know he's he's a good hitter. Uh, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. We we always went around so so. I mean, <laughs> I don't really know. It's you know, I was I was just glad to see we were able to win two or three this year. Yeah, no, no doubt for sure. So that 2018 season, Adam, I mean, not only a good year for you, but for South Carolina as well. I mean, obviously there were a lot of questions with Mark Kingston, kind of what this program was going to do, where this team was going to go. I mean, obviously, you know, as good as anybody, there are extremely, extremely high expectations for South Carolina baseball year in and year out. I thought Ray Tanner said it best before this season started. He said, you know, the names change, but the expectations do not. I mean, it's, it's, it's reload. I mean, that's, that's the Gamecock baseball fans mindset. And I think the players embrace that as well, but 2018, you guys certainly do that. You make it all the way to the Super Regionals against Arkansas. You're one game away from Omaha. I mean, Arkansas, not too bad of a team themselves, a team that was literally, I could argue, maybe should have won the College World Series due to a, you know, a drop foul ball or what have you. But anyways, a very good team. Just kind of talk about, because I thought the 2018 team, obviously a ton of seniors, most guys ever drafted, I think it was 10 or 11. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but – um, yeah, you see, I saw a lot of guys that really stepped up. First guy that comes to my mind is like a Madison Stokes, Hunter Taylor, Justin Rowe, guy, maybe guys that weren't um, huge, huge impact guys your first two years, but that really came, you know, really came into their own that, uh, that 2018 season. Just, just kind of talk about what that ride was like getting to, uh, getting to Fayetteville and going to the Super Regionals. Yeah, you know, it was awesome. You know, the year definitely had ups and downs, but I mean, like you, you mentioned those guys, your Justin Rose, your Hunter Taylors, uh, Madison Stokes, all those guys, you know, just having that senior leadership and those guys to, to you know, set the tone uh, for our team and you know, just, just lead by example. I mean, you know, I think that really propelled us to, you know, winning that, that ECU regional and going to Arkansas and playing for a chance to go to Omaha. I mean, you know, just there's so, too many guys to name on that team that had a, a huge impact and helped us to get to where we got. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, it's just uh, uh, that was probably uh, one of the funnest years of baseball I've had. Um, just playing on that team, you know, everybody's excited to come to the park every day. And, uh, you know, we just really enjoyed ourselves, enjoyed playing together. 
No doubt. So going back a little bit, you know, after Chad Holbrook resigns, if you will, or he goes to uh, College of Charleston and Mark Kingston's brought on, what would you say the biggest thing – what was the biggest thing that changed? Would you say it was mentality, approach, um, philosophy? I'm just what, – what would you say is the biggest thing that changed? Because I don't think the team itself, 2017 to 18, the names didn't really seem to change all that much. But obviously the success in the field was different. I mean, what, what would you say was the biggest difference that Mark Kingston brought into the building? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, we just, like I said, he, he was very upbeat, positive, high energy. And, uh, you know, I guess it just, you know, everybody, everybody really wanted to play for him, go to battle for him. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I mean, obviously some hitters could attest to it better than I could, but I mean, it, you know, he, he, they were in there working with the hitters every single day, um, on, you know, launch angles and, and different things like that. So, I mean, I think a lot of different things played into it, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think just from a from a mental standpoint, just the positive attitude and just all that stuff just really helped us to, uh, you know, just play as well as we did. No doubt. So before we get into your professional career, Adam, I do want to ask you about this year's South Carolina Gamecocks baseball team. Obviously, did not go the way that South Carolina fans wanted, but obviously, a bunch of your buddies. Still on the team, I think a guy specifically like a TJ Hopkins, Jacob Olson, Chris Cohen, the seniors from this year's team. I mean, how much, how much fun was it watching those guys? Obviously, TJ and Jacob both picking up national, uh, national Player of the Week awards from different sources, if you will, especially TJ for what he did against Clemson. I mean, how, how much fun was it to watch your guys go out there and, uh, and battle every day? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, uh, you know, seeing those guys who I've been with for two, three years uh, go out there and did what they did, I mean, you know, those guys are seniors, just seeing them step into that role, you know, I mean, I've been with TJ since my fresh, he was my freshman year roommate, and then, you know, Olsen as well, I mean, just seeing those guys uh, step into the senior leadership role they did, and, and play the way they did, it was awesome, I mean, the year didn't go the way they wanted it to, but I mean, those guys never stopped fighting, you know, and I know for a fact they kept a positive attitude through the whole thing, and they just kept fighting, and I mean, to, to, like I said, to see them play the way they did was awesome. So, obviously, there's been a lot of talk amongst South Carolina fans. You know, obviously, fans on Twitter, right, they're all rational, right? It's a great place to go if you want rational thought and well-thought-out opinion, yeah. stuff like that. But in your, in your opinion, a guy that played under Mark Kingston, again, give fans, give people a reason why this South Carolina baseball program will return to Omaha, return to its greatness under his leadership. Because a lot of people, obviously, are recovering the scar tissue from the 2019 season. But I have a feeling you would agree with me in thinking that Mark Kingston is certainly the guy and that – the Gamecocks will have a huge bounce back 2020 and beyond, I would imagine. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, it's everybody that plays in South Carolina under Coach Kingston is completely bought into what he's trying to do and what he's teaching. And with the guys he's bringing in and just the things he's teaching and preaching every single day, uh, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that, you know, South Carolina is going to be back up with the elites in no time. I mean, you know, I mean, there's tons of talent up and down the roster. It's just it's just a matter of time until, you know, South Carolina's back at the top. Yeah, and I would definitely say injuries and other other factors plays and played into this season as well. But let, let's get back in your – yeah, let's get back in your career, Adam. Obviously, like I mentioned, you're taken in the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft by the New York Mets. Um, obviously, I mean, anybody that has grown up playing baseball, you go to a school like South Carolina, it's a dream of yours to play professional baseball – just kind of describe that day, describe that moment. You get the phone call, you, you get the call from the New York Mets. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was awesome. So actually we were, uh, we were practicing 
um, in Columbia, uh, getting ready for that super regional and, uh, the pitchers were out on the field throwing and, uh, Carlos Cortez had just gotten a call in the third round from the Mets. And, you know, he, he ran out on the concourse and we were all cheering for him and stuff. And we finished throwing and came back inside. And, uh, I was just sitting there looking on my phone, no notification or anything. And we were answers and just like, was like Adam. And I looked at my phone and saw that I got taken and then everybody started freaking out. And, <laughs> It, it was it was awesome. I mean, it you know it's it was like like you said, a dream come true. I mean, you know, I I couldn't have imagined it being any better than what it was. I mean, just that feeling of getting taken, you know, fulfilling the dream of playing professional baseball was awesome. Do Do you feel like it's kind of cruel and unusual punishment for guys that I know you've seen the scenarios where guys are playing and regionals or super regionals and like the draft is literally going on during that time and guys are getting drafted in the middle of games and stuff I mean what why has major league baseball not fixed that yet because it seems like the easiest fix in the world and it's like you're not even letting a guy really enjoy his moment because like like if you're on the mound out there it's like you got to stay in the moment stay in your game but at the same time your lifelong dream just came true I mean that, I know you were obviously at practice yeah. but I'm sure you've seen that and heard of that happening before yeah for sure I mean <laughs> You know, that is interesting that you say that. I mean, that, like you said, I've seen a lot of scenarios where that hasn't happened. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like that would be a pretty easy fix. I mean, it's definitely a moment you want to enjoy and, you know, savor with your family and friends. You know, it probably, it probably would, wouldn't be a bad idea to try to try to change that up a little bit. <laughs> no doubt. So, you, uh, again, you get signed by the Mets, you go play pro ball. Talk about just sort of the jump for you, obviously, from – college baseball you've been at the highest level Friday night starter SEC you're obviously kind of back battling for a spot obviously in professional baseball I mean what was the transition like from college to pro yeah it was different um so I went and played in uh short season a ball in Brooklyn New York mm -hmm. so I mean that's you know it's definitely different from uh Columbia South Carolina for sure <laughs> um <laughs> but uh you know I I had thrown so many innings in college that I was, uh, I was coming out of the bullpen my first professional season. So, you know, that in itself was definitely an adjustment. And then just, you know, just getting, getting used to even more so in college, just the everyday grind of coming to the field, trying to get better every single day, you know, and, and battling, competing, you know, I mean, just getting used to that every day, I, I guess. But uh, I think that first, uh, that first short season was good for me to, to kind of understand what professional baseball is like and, you know, what you need to do to be successful. So, Yeah, like you said, I mean, you were coming out of the bullpen. You did pretty well, one and one, two, three, five ERA, 15 and a third innings pitch. I mean, pretty solid. I would definitely say pretty solid there in short season. Um, one thing that's really interesting about your career, because I'm sure this happens more often than I'm giving it credit for, but, I mean, you're drafted, signed by the Mets literally, what, six months later, January 5th, 2019, you are traded. Uh, you are traded to the Milwaukee Brewers um, in a trade. I mean – were you were you surprised? Because like you said, you're, you're sitting there. You're like, all right, I'm signed with the Mets. You're probably imagining you're going to be with the Mets for a little bit, and all of a sudden, there you're going to Milwaukee. You're going to the Milwaukee Brewers organization. I mean, what what was that like? Yeah, um, I was definitely shocked. Um, I was with my family uh, in the mountains actually, and just got a call and said I'd been traded to the Brewers. And so it was, you know, I mean, it, it was definitely a shock to me, but I was, you know, I was definitely excited because obviously, you know the Brewers have a great reputation of developing pitchers and whatnot. And then also, you know, I've got Braden Webb in the organization who I'm familiar with and stuff. So, I mean, it's definitely exciting for me, but yeah, you know, I was expecting to be with the Mets, but you know, everything happens for a reason. So I'm definitely excited where I'm at. 
No doubt. So what would you say? I mean, I'm sure I'm not sure if they've had this conversation with you, but what is the plan for you as far as I think most guys, they have like a two, three, four year plan. If you are kind of where they want you to fit within the, in, within the organization, how they want to see you develop stuff like that. Have they kind of given you any indications on kind of what the plan is for you moving forward over the next couple of years? Um, not too much a plan just right now, you know, I'm, I'm in uh, I'm in Lohe in Appleton, Wisconsin, with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, and uh, I'm starting right now. So, I guess right now the goal is to just uh, you know get better every day, uh, try to go deep into ball games as best I can, uh, get my innings up, and then just you know see where it goes from there. I mean, I'm just trying to go out there and work hard every day, and you know try to get better, and uh, and uh, you know just try to have some success. For sure, yeah, and you're doing very well. Five and three, three point six three ERA, and just over forty four innings pitch. Um, I think the transition is different for everybody as far as you know. There's the level of hitters you are facing. Obviously, the amount of games you play is obviously way more than college. What's what's been the biggest transition for you? Would you say? Um. Yeah, I guess it's just the, uh, you know, the the travel and the the everyday kind of grind. I mean, you know, I. It, you know we're we're constantly traveling we're playing every single day so it's just coming to the ballpark ready to go and having a good mindset and having the mindset that you're going to get better every single day and and you know use each day as an opportunity to get better so I mean I guess I guess just that I mean just just uh just adjusting to the grind of of minor league baseball and trying to to get better as best you can so, kind of switching gears here, Adam, a little bit, kind of off the wall question again. I know Braden's your uh, your roommate. You spent a lot of time with him, and he's he's put you on his Instagram feed before. Has he paused you lately? I know nobody's going to know what I'm talking about except for a couple of people. But has, <laughs> has he? Because he, he was he was kind of he was kind of we were laughing about that the last time he was on the show. So I was just curious if he was still doing that or not. Yeah, he got me in spring training <laughs> before we left. Uh, we were at Cold Stone at the ice cream uh, ice cream place, and. Uh, we were all walking out with our ice cream, and he paused me right as I'm walking out. So I kind of had to stay there for a while until he decided to come back and get me. But how, how long does he, how long does he let you sit there? I mean, is it like a pole, full? He let like, me there for a good five minutes. <laughs> good five minutes, I was there. Oh man! All right. Well, before we let you go, Adam, last question. Obviously, it's a Gamecocks podcast. I want to just simply put, what would you say um, from your time in Garnet and Black? Your favorite memory as a Gamecock? Favorite memory, huh? You know, I'd, I'd probably have to go back to, to last year, that Clemson game on that Friday night, just, you know, with with the way that I was able to, to pitch in that game and then the way we won the game with the walk-off from TJ. I mean, you know, I just can't put that into words. That kind of, you know, emotion and excitement, it was just unbelievable and a really unbelievable experience for, for me, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Adam, hey, appreciate you taking the time, man. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Obviously, best of luck with everything. Stay healthy, and we'll be uh, obviously keeping up with your career. Hope to, hope to hear Adam Hill in the uh, in the big league real soon. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, for Adam Hill, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.